So before I get going, I do have to thank a couple Patreon subscribers, some new ones. We got Lori Mooney Hedges, and we got Stacy Mobley. So thank you two ladies, I greatly appreciate it, as you all know. Like I have stated before, as of January 1st, the tiers on Patreon will be changing. It'll be a $2 tier, a $5 tier, and a $10 tier. $2 tier gets two mini bonus episodes on Patreon a month. $5 tier gets two mini episodes and a full-length episode every month. And the $10 tier gets all of those, plus a discount code to the merch shop, and an hour-long Skype call with me once a month. And all bullshit aside, I'm a pretty pleasant guy to talk to. I'm pretty cool, alright? And I'm not just tooting my own horn here, but, you know, toot toot, alright? So... You know, with all that aside, this is an episode that I actually did uh, in the in the Facebook group. I did it live uh, last Halloween, and I really wanted to put it out as a full episode because it's pretty interesting. I haven't done any paranormal or any supernatural episodes for a minute, so I figured it would be pretty interesting. And yeah, so I hope you guys enjoy. This podcast contains adult content. Some of the themes or topics may include information on murder, kidnapping, torture, dismemberment, maybe some demonic content with information on positions and paranormal activity. This podcast will also include explicit, horrible and foul, socially unacceptable, totally uninhibited adult themes language. So if you're easily offended, if you're easily triggered, then I highly suggest you turn this off now. And if not, just keep in mind, parental discretion is advised. All right, today we're going to be talking about Bill Ramsey, also known as the South End Werewolf which is a pretty interesting story, and of course, the Warrens got involved in this too. For you long-time regular listeners, you know my opinion about the Warrens, alright? So, there's not much known about Bill Ramsey's early life. Hold on, let me grab a beer, I'm gonna straight up pause this right now. Ha, alright, I'm back. Sorry about that, it was only a second for you guys, a couple minutes for me, but if we're gonna talk about some weird shit, anything worth doing is worth doing right. So there's that. Alright, so check this out. There's not much known about Bill Ramsey's early life, but where the story starts is where the occurrence starts happening. And that is in Southend, England, in 1952 when Bill Ramsey is about nine years old. And it's on a Saturday. He's outside in the back garden, and he's just kind of back there messing around. So he starts to feel strange. He says he gets freezing cold and he starts sweating and he starts smelling a foul odor. And all of a sudden he says he starts thinking about waves and he starts thinking about the ocean and, you know, wolves by the fence and stuff. Okay. So his mom calls, calls him, you know, to come in the house or whatever. And he like comes out of this trance because as he states he was in kind of like a trance this is his earliest recollection of feeling this way all right so he comes out of this trance and he feels this intense rage and he gets this huge rush of adrenaline 
and he's hanging on to the fence post and he ends up pulling the damn thing out and the fence is still attached okay and he starts swinging it around like a club okay and mind you this fence is still attached, okay? I'm pretty sure it might be, I'm not 100% sure, but if I had to describe it, I would assume it would probably be like small, thin wooden posts with like chicken wire going around, if if you guys know, understand that description. That's kind of what it sounds like to me, not 100% sure. So he starts swinging this you know, fence post around like a club, right? And his parents come out and they tried taking the, taking the fence post away, like out of his hands and they couldn't rip it from his hands. Okay. And this is a nine year old kid, mind you. All right. And all of a sudden Bill says he starts, you know, feeling cold again and he actually starts growling and then he starts chewing on the wire mesh of the fence with his bare teeth. Now his parents go back into the house basically until he's calmed down all right because apparently these adults are scared of a nine-year-old child who just ripped out a fence post started swinging around started chewing on metal wire fence and i'm all bullshit aside you know i i might be a little bit freaked out but you know i i actually have a child this age so i would you know, I probably wouldn't be scared, but his parents go back into the house until he's calmed down, right? Now, this episode lasted for several minutes, and then he ends up calming down, and by the time it's done, his mouth was all cut up by this wire fence, so he's got blood pouring out of his mouth and everything like that, and he's sitting there, like, on all fours, panting like a dog, until he eventually goes back inside the house. And while they're sitting there at dinner that night, you know, everyone basically agrees not to ever talk about it again. <laughs> and they, you know, they didn't, uh, you know, they pretend it didn't happen. Okay. So, you know, they're just like, nah, that, that never happened. You know, that we'll just pretend that didn't happen. You know, he goes on with his life, and nothing like that really happened again, all right? So in, by 1964, you know, we were about 12 years down the road. He's married. He's a very respectable guy. He's got three kids. In the first couple years of his marriage, it is stated from him and his wife that he had nightmares, and these nightmares were all the same. He would always wake up, too, in a cold sweat, growling and panting like a dog. He would wake up having feelings of dread and unease. And in the dream, it would, like I said, always be the same. And he would always be a few steps behind his wife. And as she turns to face him and look at him, she would run in terror. Like, that was always the reoccurring dream. And the dreams did stop in 1967. So this legitimately was, you know, a few years. Nothing happens after that for a while. So in 1983, Bill is out with his friends at a bar drinking. And he starts feeling this cold feeling again. And he starts sweating and he thinks that he's about ready to be sick. So he goes into the bathroom and he looks at himself in the mirror and he sees a wolf. All right. And he freaks out and leaves. 
And <laughs> on the car ride home, he's in the back seat and he's growling, okay? And it's stated by his friends in the car that his hands turn into what looks like claws and he actually tries biting one of his friend's leg, okay? So the driver pulls over, the guy driving the car pulls over, he gets out of the car and basically, uh, you know, calms him down. You know, I don't know if they did some like, you know, calming meditation techniques or any, any bullshit like that, but that's pretty much you know, the end of that story, okay? Now, a few months later, uh, right before Christmas in that same year, 1983, Bill starts suffering from really bad chest pains, and he thinks he's having a heart attack, right? So he goes to the ER, and he's getting his blood pressure checked. And while he's getting his blood pressure checked, he bites one of the nurse's arms, and he starts running around, and uh witnesses actually say that his shoulders were kind of physically hunched over, you know, and even the witnesses in the hospital say that his hands turned to talons or looked like they turned into claws, and they said that his lips bare back, uh, like above and below his teeth, uh, like an animal, and he starts knocking people down. One thing that is noted with a lot of the witnesses, he had so much strength. The guy was super strong, like superhuman strong. We could not subdue him. It actually took several people to subdue him. The cops were one of them. Like, there's cops usually in a hospital, you know, somewhere. And even with handcuffs, you know, he, they still had to tranquilize this dude, okay? And while he's tranquilized in handcuffs on a gurney, he's still, you know, trying to bite at the nursing staff, all right, which is, <laughs> honestly, you could probably go to any hospital in Podunk State and uh, see a couple methods doing that too, but we're going to continue on with the story, okay? <laughs> So he's taken to Runwell Mental Health, Mental Hospital, and the drugs ended up wearing off. And when the drugs wear off, he didn't have any memory of any of this happening, had absolutely no memory whatsoever. And the doctors wanted him to stay, and he left. He's like, fuck this, I'm leaving, you know? And the doctors are all like, they're worried about future episodes. They're like, listen, man. You quite possibly are extremely mentally ill. Maybe you should stay for observation or something like that until another occurrence comes out. Bill Ramsey's like, fuck you, dog, I'm out. You know, so he leaves. And about a month later in January 1984, he's visiting his mother. He's on the way, on his way home and he starts having one of these attacks again, okay? And he drives to the same ER that he went to and he's, he's too late by the time he gets there. He ends up attacking a nurse. They call the cops. Four cops show up and Bill Ramsey fucking takes them all on. Uh, one cop ends up being injured and that, that cop was in the hospital for four days, mind you. While he's in the back of the cop car, he that's when he snaps out of it. 
And again, he has no memory whatsoever. So the cops take him in and he gets interrogated. And he tells his story about what's all happened to him over the course of not necessarily his life, but he starts telling the story of all this stuff going on. And the cops are like, you need to go to the mental hospital, dude. And he's he refused. He's like, I'm not going to the mental hospital. So the cops let him go. All right. Now let that sink in for a minute because... I I wish we could get away with some shit like this. Dude fights four cops, puts one in the hospital for four days, bites nurses and shit, tries biting his buddy's leg, and the cops are like, you need to go to the nut house? He's like, no, I'm not going. And they're like, all right, we'll just go home. It's fine. You know, <laughs> so, you know, no other occurrences happened for uh, r- roughly two and a half years. And on July 22nd, 1987, he's at this bar called the White Horse Inn. And he's there and he's meeting with friends. And he leaves the bar and he is drunk. Okay. And he decides to drive. And he decides to take like a little, you know, side route home. Okay. Because he wants to avoid the cops. So he's taking like a back route, you know, going down the the side streets and stuff like that. Because he, he self-admittedly was drunk and he just happens to see a prostitute and this prostitute's name is Lauren (laughs) when he sees this prostitute whose name is Lauren like she did give an account of this she gave an interview to the cops it is documented as weird as that sounds here when he sees the prostitute he decides to make a citizen's arrest (laughs) okay And I'm sorry, I can't even make this shit up. It's so good. So she gets in the car and he plays like, you know, I'm a customer and she thinks that he's a customer. So while she's in the car, she starts feeling very uneasy about the situation. And she asks him to let her out. And he starts growling at her. So the car goes to slow down because, he, you know, he's driving. This chick straight up tucks and rolls out the door like the car isn't even stopped. This is how freaked out that she was like he's driving. The car slows down to a reasonable speed. She opens the door, tucks and rolls out, and she ends up running to the police station. But he follows her. He straight up follows her, okay? When he gets to the police station, there's this huge cop that's walking out of the police station, like right when he's following her there, okay? He starts getting into a fight with this really big cop. The cop noticed, you know, the cop even admitted, he's like, this guy's strength was off the charts. I am so much bigger and stronger than this dude, but they're like, this guy's strength was unnatural, There was something not right. So all these more or all these other cops show up. So all these other cops show up and Bill actually screams at him. He says, quote, the devil is in me. I'm going to kill you, end quote. So it ends up taking six cops to restrain this dude. And they didn't give him just one tranquilizer. They said they gave him several tranquilizers. And as soon as he calms down and the drugs start wearing off, again, he has no memory whatsoever. And 
he ends up going to the mental hospital on his own accord. Because all these incidents are happening and Bill Ramsey himself is like, something is not right. Like, I don't even remember this shit going on. So he checks himself into the hospital and he's in there for about 10 days and he's getting all these tests done. He's getting MRIs, x-rays, psychological evaluations, and all of the doctors say the same thing, that there is no physical or psychological or mental reason for him to be having these outbursts like they can't find any cause for it so like i said he's in there for 10 days for evaluation and because they could not find anything wrong with him the hospital does release this guy so the police station attack was international headlines all right all bullshit aside this was an international thing. And they end up calling him the South End Werewolf. So, of course, over in America, in this tiny little state called Connecticut, Ed and Lorraine Warren hear about this. I really want to take a cheap shot right now on Ed and Lorraine Warren. I know they both passed away and I feel super bad about this, but it was probably like a situation like, Hey, we can make money off of this, you know? So <laughs> Ed and Lorraine Warren hear about it. They end up getting a hold of the cops. And the reason they get a hold of the cops at that police station where this attack occurred, the last attack occurred is so that they could get a hold of Bill Ramsey for them. Now, initially, the Warrens did think it was a hoax. I will give them credit for that. The Warrens thought it was a hoax until they talked to the cops. And then they talked to the family. They end up coming to the conclusion that they want Bill to come to their church in Connecticut. Like, they had to convince him. This wasn't just a, oh yeah, I'll go. Like, they had to convince him to go to this church in Connecticut to get exercised because the Warrens believed that he was possessed by an animal spirit, a demonic animal spirit. So they decide to go to the United States and get an ex exorcism, which would be performed by Bishop Robert McKenna, who, for those of you uh, who have been longtime listeners, the episode I did on Maurice Therio, which honestly is one of my favorite episodes. It's, it's definitely under the radar, but super interesting. Uh, Bishop Robert McKenna also comes up in that episode as well. He has been involved in the Warrens in several cases. So, you know, he's their go-to guy. I got to remind my listeners that if you got some crazy werewolf people running around, maybe some people suffering from clinical lycanthropy or anything like that, time is running out on Simply Safe's huge holiday offer. It's their biggest sale of the year. If you're looking to fully protect your home with award-winning 24-7 home security, now is the time to do it. Burglaries spike during the holiday season. With families traveling and leaving empty homes and expensive gifts behind, Simply Safe's holiday sale couldn't come at a better time. Simply Safe has everything you need to protect your home and your family. 
There's a smart lock and video doorbell pro to defend your front door. An army of sensors and cameras that guards every window, every door, and every room in your home. If there's a break-in, they can give real-time video confirmation to police as it happens. So police respond up to 3.5 times faster. And as we all know, everybody in this true crime genre that gets into this stuff knows. Response time is important. It's absolutely no surprise that Simply Safe has won CNET and PC Magazine Editor's Choice Awards. So check this out. You want to protect some stuff? You want to protect whatever you got? Simply Safe made a holiday offer with my listeners in mind, but it ends December 31st. They rarely do deals this big, so now's your chance. Visit simplysafe.com slash mysterious to find out just how much you'll save. And remember, this sale ends December 31st. And I'm telling you, you guys know Christmas time, around the holidays, dude, burglaries do spike. Everybody knows that. It's a statistic. Go to simplysafe, S-I-M-P-L-I-S-A-F-E, com slash mysterious, Go check out the offer you get, and you guys can thank me later. Like I said, might even be protecting yourselves against some werewolves. You just never know. Now, back to the show. So after all this convincing, and after talking to, like I said, the cops and the family members of Bill Ramsey, all that stuff, they, uh, in 1989, Bill Ramsey and his wife Nina do end up coming to the United States. And it's really weird because when they get there, and I mean, they're dead set. They're going to do this exorcism. So there's two varying accounts on this particular uh, situation right here. Some accounts say it's a few days before the exorcism. Other accounts say that it is the night before the exorcism. While Bill Ramsey and his wife are sleeping in bed, she wakes up and Bill Ramsey is trying to choke her uh, while she's sleeping. Like, she wakes up out of a dead sleep, and her husband's trying to choke her. Now, when he ends up snapping out of this little trance or whatever it was, uh, he has absolutely no memory of what happened again. So, they go to perform the exorcism. Present at the exorcism are Bishop McKenna, Bill and Nina Ramsey, the Warrens, a paranormal investigator named John Zaffis, and several off-duty cops who were there as, to act as bodyguards. Now, when the exorcism started, <laughs> Bill Ramsey himself is super unimpressed. <laughs> He's like, no. He considers it, and this is a direct quote from him, he was like, this is a bunch of mumbo-jumbo, you know, because he felt absolutely nothing whatsoever. So after this service is being conducted in Latin for about a half an hour, nothing happens, okay? So McKenna, Bishop McKenna, starts to press his, like, crucifix against uh, Bill Ramsey's head, you know, and he's telling the demon, he's like, identify yourself, you know, all of a sudden shit goes haywire, all right? And this is Bishop Robert McKenna himself, he says that Bill takes on an entirely different appearance. 
he says that his face contorted and both hands formed claws. Says Bill's demeanor changed. Uh, he began to snarl viciously. And he, like Bishop McKenna said that his face contorted into a, you know, this like look of a beast, right? He started baring his teeth and he just had these crazy, you know, wild eyes and shit. He began to start like thrashing, like he's thrashing his fists and his, uh, his quote unquote claws and shit. And then at this moment, Bill Ramsey actually lunged towards him, towards Bishop McKenna, trying to literally just rip this dude apart, right? Now, Lorraine Warren would later claim that she also noticed his physical characteristics did change. And she said that she noticed his ears appearing more pointed. She said his face became more feral and his hands turned into like, you know, claw looking. So they looked like claws. Now, don't get me wrong. Honestly, I'm not a hundred percent sure what the definition of a feral face is because I can go downtown Fort Wayne, Indiana right now, right around like Broadway Taylor, you know, somewhere around there. I'm pretty sure I can find some folks that have some feral looking faces too. So I'm not sure what that definition, like what, there's no exact description on what that, what that is, but that's what she said. Okay. So Bishop McKenna commands the demon to leave and he ends up stumbling back like away from Bill Ramsey and he pulls out his crucifix again and he starts talking in Latin like commanding the demon to leave his body like leave at once and Bill Ramsey like straight up it, he freaks out again and he just takes a big swipe at the bishop Bishop McKenna actually looked at the policemen, the off-duty cops who were acting as bodyguards, and he told them to stand down because the off-duty cops are like, we're going to knock this fucking dude out. <laughs> like, we're, I'm going to pull out a billy club, the butt of a pistol, whatever the case might be, we're going to take this dude out. And Bishop McKenna honestly was like, no, just stand down. Like, we're going to see, we're going to see and wait, you know, wait and see what happens. So, right about the time that Ramsey is, you know, it looks like he's about ready to, to really, really take some swipes at the bishop here. Something, I mean, one of the articles says something odd happened. Bill Ramsey ends up falling to the floor. And he just like drops like a sack of potatoes. And he screams out one last roar. And then he just goes quiet. He goes silent and still. According to Bill Ramsey, here's what he said happened. He says, quote, The poison that had been in my body drained from me completely. I was left without any strength at all. And when I turned to look at Nina... That small movement caused me to black out. I gripped the chair as tightly as I could and let the demon continue to be pushed away by Bishop McKenna's Latin words. End quote. This entire exorcism is supposedly caught on film. The One of the more interesting things, which I've never seen documented, okay? And as you guys know, okay, listen. The reason I'm kind of picking on this 
topic a little bit is because, as you guys know, I'm a skeptic, but I am also a skeptic with a very open mind. I do realize that there are things out there that, that are unexplainable, that we don't understand, okay, and that we will might not ever understand. And just so you know, I'm not bashing on the paranormal. Like I said, for my regular listeners and friends, you guys personally know I grew up in a house with paranormal shit happening. I have crazy stories for days, okay? I've actually had listeners ask me to tell my stories. I've told a few of them on other podcasts. Like, I believe in this shit, but at the same time, I'm a skeptic with an open mind. I'm not just going to go somewhere or believe somebody, you know, whatever they say. Okay, that's just, no. That's that's not going to happen, okay? So the part that bothers me about this is all these people who were there. It is It is said that everybody who was there was very adamant that all this really happened, all right? But other than the Warrens, the Ramses, and Bishop McKenna, we have no names of anybody else that was there. We have no documented evidence from anybody else that was there. Even um, the fucking paranormal investigator guy, you know, the, uh, what's his last name, Zaphis, the John Zaphis. I, you know, there might be something in the book that, of course, Ed and Lorraine Warren had to write a book about this whole case, and it was called Werewolf, the True Story of Demonic Possession. You know, of course, the Warrens got to write a fucking book about every single thing they do because cha-ching, you know what I mean? So there might be some stuff stated in that book that is not available online. So, you know, take that as you will. But I want names. I want quotes. I want to hear these people myself you know what i'm saying so take that as you will like i said according to the warrens bill ramsey was possessed by some form of demonic animal you know the other possibility okay is the one that i lean more towards and i will definitely get into this a little bit deeper but there's this medical condition known as clinical lycanthropy Okay, and this is when a victim truly believes they are shape-shifting into an animal. Now, this animal can be anywhere from, you know, a wolf to a bear, frogs, rabbits, any kind of animal pretty much whatsoever, okay? Um, and there's also a number of other psychotic disorders or mental health issues that he could have been suffering from as well. Now, some of these psychotic outbursts can produce exactly the kind of behavior seen in the Ramsey case and could also possibly account for the displays of, of you know, the superhuman strength, you know, during these rages and during these episodes, which for those of you who did listen to the Maurice Stereo episode, exact same thing. All right, you know, he, he had the exact same thing. I think he had more of a DID type thing, but, you know, whatever's whatever. So after the exorcism, what ended up happening to Bill Ramsey? Basically, he made his, <laughs> he had no future episodes after this. He had no episodes whatsoever. And uh, since 1992, 1992 was the, Last time that he was publicly seen, I believe he was on a TV show uh, called Sightings, I want to say, 
And I'm not 100% sure on that. And after that, he kind of dropped off the map. And that's really all we know about the later life of Bill Ramsey. Not even sure if he's fucking still alive. I mean, he might be. I don't know. I, I doubt it, but not 100% sure. Didn't look that much into it because his later life with no future episodes, as you guys know, you know, kind of takes this episode out of context. But some of the more interesting things that we do know for sure, okay, there are a lot of witnesses that include law enforcement officials who are who were involved in this, who saw this, who fought Bill Ramsey, who straight up are just like, I don't know what happened to that guy. I don't know how he got so strong. This motherfucker thought he was a werewolf. You know, like they saw this happening. And this is not just, you know, the four first four cops that he fights, but the second time he's fighting six cops. You know what I mean? He puts one in the hospital for four days the shit's documented, you know what I mean? So that should be known, and it is pretty interesting. So now I do want to kind of touch on what is known as clinical lycanthropy, okay? And this is an article by Live Science, and it's entitled Real Life Werewolves, Psychiatry Reexamines Rare Delusion, okay? And it was written by Bahar Golapur, in 2014 and there have actually been studies okay that have <laughs> i mean they they've invested time to study this shit there was a doctor named jan dirk blom he had treated a patient who thought they were a werewolf he thought they were a wolf this guy the dr jan blom was an assistant professor of psychiatry at the university of Groningen or Groningen. It's in the Netherlands, and I probably just butchered the shit out of that. And uh, he went through the archives of psychiatry because he's like, I need to know what is going on with this. Now, after, after Dr. Blom starts digging through the archives, he comes to find that since 1850, there have been 56 original case descriptions of people who believed they were metamorphosing into an animal. Now, among them, 13 reports met the criteria for clinical lycanthropy. The medical term this is clinical lycanthropy is the medical term for having delusions of being able to turn into a wolf. Okay. Now they throw the word clinical in there because that emphasizes that, that the condition doesn't mean actual lycanthropy. Okay. It doesn't mean they can actually do it. They put clinical in there because like these motherfuckers think they can do this stuff. All the other cases besides the 13 reports that met this criteria, 13 out of 56, the rest of them, you know, they had a lot of delusional stuff going on. You know, one was a, one thought they were a dog, one thought they were a, a fucking boa constrictor, one thought a frog, one thought they were a bee. There's, there's another article that was published in uh, the History of Psychiatry, and it's referred to as 10 controversial psychiatric disorders. If you Google search that, I'm sure you can probably find a lot more information on those other various cases. 
Now, Dr. Blom actually went ahead and said, quote, I had expected to find more cases because in textbooks, the condition is mentioned quite often in passing, end quote. Now, there are few numbers of cases reported over 150 years, okay? So that might suggest that it's a very, very rare condition. So, you know, you just can't be throwing around the, the word very often. Now, the thing about it is, is the idea of humans that can shapeshift, dude, it's been around since ancient times, okay? But there hasn't been much attention given to clinical lycanthropy, okay? Now, even though that condition is rare, it does occur. Dr. Blom said, quote, in clinical practice, many cases are missed because mental health professionals are insufficiently aware of the existence and the uniqueness of this disorder. This clinical lycanthropy is generally thought to be an unusual expression of another disorder, such as schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, or severe depression. When they reviewed all 56 cases over the course of 150 years, Dr. Blom found that 25% of the patients were diagnosed with schizophrenia, 23% with psychotic depression, and about 20% with bipolar disorder. Now, among these patients, 34 were men, 22 were women, and their symptoms lasted anywhere from a single hour to decades. Now, the first case report on clinical lycanthropy was published in 1852. Uh, it describes a man admitted to an asylum in Nancy, France. He was convinced that he had turned into a wolf. Dr. Blom explains, quote, To demonstrate this, the man parted his lips with his fingers to show his alleged wolf's teeth and complained that he had cloven feet and a body covered with long hair. He said that he only wanted to eat raw meat, but when it was given to him, he refused it because it was not rotten enough, end quote. Now, that's, I mean, it's pretty interesting, okay? You know, other patients in the reports had similar delusions about changes in their appearance. One saw the head of a wolf when looking at himself in the mirror, which literally is... The same thing that happened to Bill Ramsey. Another was convinced the bones in her body had been replaced by a pig's. And another one felt claws growing in their feet. Now, over the past decade, various brain imaging studies... Bleh, over the past decade, various brain imaging studies have pointed to specific brain areas that appear to be essential for creating the sense of physical existence and perceiving our body scheme. Now, that's, like I said, a direct quote from, from Dr. Blom. You know, these brain regions include areas of the brain's cortex, which is the outer layer. They are responsible for movement and sensation. Dr. Blom said, quote, we know that natural circuits in the brain involving premotor and sensory cortical areas and probably various subcortical areas as well are essential for creating body scheme, end quote. In all the cases that Blom reviewed, you know, patients perceived 
changes in their own physical appearance. You know, for example, some thought their mouths and teeth had changed shape or their chests had broadened. Some experienced their bodies shrinking and some felt burning sensations in their bellies and thighs. Now, it is possible that some patients, these delusions originated from problems, you know, being related to those brain regions, which definitely changed the individual's sense of physical identity. All right. Now, Blom said, you know, it's it's a forgotten diagnosis, but this problem was called. Oh, my God, this is a bad word. Conathesiopathy. God, I don't know. I hope that's how you pronounce it. It's the longest damn word I've ever seen. And it was uh, basically called that by French, neuro French neurologists in 1905. Because clinical lycanthropy tends to occur along with other major psychiatric disorders such as schizophrenia, psychotic depression, or bipolar disorder, the best practice would be to treat that underlying disorder. And that is something that uh, Dr. Blom said himself. That is a little bit of knowledge on clinical lycanthropy. And that is also the end of this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I'm probably going to skip reviews. I actually have a lot of reviews to read, but I am going to uh, skip them this time because I am on a time crunch and I want to get this edited and out. Yeah, with that, I suppose I'll see you folks on the flip side. <laughs>